The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast, a member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Jordan Cooney. Hello, SEOs. My name is Jordan Cooney from Previsible. Joining me is Justin McKinney, who is the Director of SEO Content and Social Strategy at Aspiration. For over a decade, Aspiration has been empowering individuals to take bold climate action through financial services that support a healthier planet. Their category-defining green financial products are at the intersection of personal finance, technology, and climate action, revolutionizing the way consumers fight climate change through their everyday spending and saving. Yesterday, Justin and I talked about prioritizing SEO initiatives within a roadmap, and today, We're going to continue our conversation by discussing the keys to winning SEO RFPs. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Okay, here's my conversation with Justin McKinney, the Director of SEO, Content, and Social Strategy at Aspiration. Justin, welcome back to the Voices Search Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be back and very excited for this conversation. Awesome. Well, yesterday was, was really a great episode that detailed out how you look at roadmapping and planning around SEO, and then specifically the, the, the intricacies of prioritization. That prioritization isn't just a pure math problem of how much money you're going to make or how hard something is to do, but that there is some, some expertise and some knowledge needed to doing a, a really effective job at prioritizing SEO initiatives. Today, though, we're going into a new topic. We're really going deep into the RFP. And, and winning those for SEO. So before we get started into going to the details of that, can you share with our listeners, what is RFP? What is the framing of this conversation in terms of uh, what, it, what are the mechanisms behind the RFP process and, and what, it, what specifically should our listeners be thinking about when it comes to this topic? Yeah. So RFP stands for Request for a Proposal. And 
These come from brands from in-house companies. And what they're doing essentially is they are putting out a call to you know, a selection of, of partners or potential partners, potential agencies to bid on their business. So, you know, for example, a company might be looking for a new SEO and content provider. And so they put out a call to, let's say, five different potential agencies. The company puts together usually some sort of document that has company information, an overview of, of the challenge uh, that they're facing, what they are trying to accomplish as, as a result of partnering with their new partner, and then asking some specific questions around you know, the nature of, of the services. So for example, they might be looking for what are deliverables look like? You know, what is, what is your pricing model? What does the team structure look like? Do you have experience in my industry? Things like that. And so the, the proposal goes out, the agencies respond to it, and then generally the process continues. You know, some agencies are selected to move on to a second round and sort of so on and so forth from there. Thank you for the context there, Justin. I think it's great for our listeners to get a get an overview of what this process looks like. And and for our listeners who are either at agency roles or working within a consulting firm, this is going to be a great episode because this really gets to the core of how your business operates and where where you gain, you know, new clients and new projects for your business. So with that with that said, Justin, what when it comes to the RFP, what what are some of the key elements before getting into the RFP that are really critical for your business to understand or prepare before you ever even get that request, right? Before that request ever lands in your lap, what should you already have ready? Yeah, that's a great question um, because RFPs are generally time consuming and they're almost never paid. And so you want (laughs) to be efficient with the work that you are doing uh, while still putting your best foot forward. And so a couple of things that, that come to mind, you know, number one, you want to have your brand story, you know, figured out. You want to be able to explain what your company or your consultancy or, you know, if you're an individual, what you are all about, what you are able to help, you know, other companies and brands with, what are your specialties. Another thing that's really useful to have is just a, a repository of case studies and testimonials that you can sort of pick out from a library so that when something does come in, you're not having to scramble to find something. You already have it figured out. And then the other thing that I think is so key and it goes back to sort of you know what your brand is all about, make sure that you know what your unique value proposition or propositions are and be ready to lean into that really hard when it comes time for the RFP uh, because, and, and we'll probably get into this, but I think that of all of the things that, that you could be doing, leaning into your UVP is probably the most impactful one. 100%. And, you know, I think you touched on a really critical set of, of elements to the RFP is that A, they're time consuming, B, they're, they, they require a lot of energy that's unpaid and you know, ultimately your best chance at winning is going to be in defining these unique elements of your business and how you approach, you know, supporting clients, right? And so with that knowledge and in that information, where should teams invest time to build a winning pitch? Yeah. Number one, 
is that unique value proposition. So once you have read through the RFP and you understand the client's problem, the client's challenge, figure out why you are uniquely situated to help them. And ideally that's gonna ladder up to what your UVP is or one of your UVPs are, and, and really go line by line detailing what their challenge is and why you are the perfect partner to help them with it. So, you know, for example, if they're, if the RFP mentions that content production is a challenge and one of your main value propositions is your ability to, you know, produce high quality content in a regulated space, you should be leading with that. That shouldn't be buried on page eight or nine of your RFP. That should be right at the top. And so, following that sort of line by line format and embedding the the value prop into each of those answers is going to make you stand out a lot more because without that element you're sort of having to rely on x number of deliverables for y price and then you just become sort of a it becomes a numbers game for the company that's evaluating you as opposed to really seeing what makes you stand out and why they should you'll potentially pay more for your services because you're a better fit. Right. And the one aspect there that I think is is unique is finding that fit, right? And finding that that relationship fit. In an RFP process, right? They're staying true to your identity versus playing towards what the potential company that's looking for services might be defined as, right? So how important is it to match the criteria or needs of that particular company versus staying true to your identity. And let me give you an example, Justin, right? Let's say, let's say this is an RFP for a healthcare company, right? Like a, like a medical healthcare vertical company. And in that RFP, you, you may realize, hey, that is not a category my agency or my consultancy has a lot of experience in. We don't have a lot of medical or healthcare related clients or business. So in that process of trying to decipher that, how much do you lean into that fact that you don't have that experience, you don't have that background versus the qualities or characteristics that are strong or unique to your agency? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. And some of it truthfully just comes down to, you know, your available time and bandwidth to pursue an opportunity like that. If you have a dozen RFPs you're working on and your timeline is tight for all of them, if there's not a perfect fit, it's maybe just best for, for both parties that that you don't you know continue with the process. But assuming that you do have the time and that this is something that you really want to pursue, I think it's still important to be upfront with the potential client about your lack of experience in that area. But for me, now being on the brand side, what is more valuable to me than direct experience. You know, direct experience in, in the industry is great, but what I want to know is have you solved similar challenges to the ones that I'm facing, regardless of what industry that they're in? So for example, if I'm going through a site migration or you know a rebranding or something like that, take aspiration for example, if we were to do a site migration, you know, I care less about an agency that has fintech experience and more that they have really strong site migration experience. And so in that case, it would still be worth your time and effort to participate in the RFP and really lean into, hey, site migrations, that's our bread and butter. You know, we've done this across so many different industries. 
regardless of, of what your category is, we can make it work because we have the processes, the talent, the, the tools needed to facilitate that. And, and then you go from there. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. 100%. That is some of the best advice ever because I, I agree with you. It's not always about having vertical-based experience, but it's about understanding the pain points and matching those those needs with your past experiences, your successes, and highlighting those through the RFP process. Any tips for our listeners in terms of really getting yourself organized in this RFP process. We talked about it being time consuming. And I think one of the great opportunities and and probably one of the biggest challenges here is in order for you to be able to identify those winning elements and, and, and really decipher how you can best serve that particular prospect in your services, you have to be prepared. Right? You have to be able to create the space to determine where that fit is and highlight those stories and successes. So what, what tips do you have for our listeners in order to be prepared for these RFPs and, and, and really give yourself the best chance at winning? Yeah, the, the more work that you can do upfront that is repeatable, the better off you're going to be. So you'll find that as you go through dozens, hundreds of RFPs, um, you know, that's something I did at my previous role at, at W Promote, you start seeing similar themes in the questions that that come as a part of the RFP process. And so there's no harm in having, you know, similar to sort of your case study or testimonial library, a library of common answers to common questions um, so that you can pick and choose and, and build those into your proposal where it's not a significant time effort, you have something to work off of, but you should then further customize those responses. You don't want to just do a pure copy and paste job. You want to have a foundation and then build off of it from there. So that's number one. Uh, number two, again, is having that, that case study uh, library uh, so that you can pick and choose where needed. And then the other thing that I think is very helpful when it comes to being efficient is at least speaking for me personally on the brand side now, I really resonate with an RFP 
that comes across as confident in the responses that they're giving. And that generally means cutting out the fluff, cutting out sort of the the long essay-like responses to some of the questions. I know it can be tempting to just throw out all the information you possibly can just to, you know, see what sticks. But I think, number one, you have to remember that someone is actually going to read all of this. And if your response is, you know, 30 pages long, and you know, I've worked on RFPs where the response document was 80 pages long, like someone has to read that. And it is very difficult for that person who is also evaluating four or five other companies to actually remember what it is that you are saying and what your your value proposition is. So if you're able to make their job easier, you're going to build positive associations with them. And you're probably going to get to that second round uh, more efficiently than sort of, well, let's just give them everything and hopefully something works. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's really great advice on maintaining a limit on on how much information you provide. I do like it when I see RFPs and there is a character limit associated with it by default. Yes. Probably a smart choice by that by that company and organizer to ensure that they can get through all the information that's going to be provided to them. Yeah, more more brands should uh should definitely invest in improving the RFP process um because it's challenging again when when it's not paid it's it's very difficult to justify you know, these, these really custom scopes. But yeah, that's unfortunately the, the name of the game right now. So hopefully some of these, these tips will make it a little more you know, palatable for people. 100%. So Justin, you know, as we get into this process of the, the RFP, right? We've submitted something to the business and, and we're, we're going through the timeline or the efforts behind the evaluation that the company is doing. What are some of the expectations that both the company and the company or individual that's submitting into the RFP should have throughout the process? Yeah, I would say that, you know, on the brand side, it's really important that you are communicating what your expected timeline is when you are hoping to launch. And this is really important because it's going to define the nature of the team that you're going to have available to you. So for example, if you're able to commit to a shorter time frame, you're going to be able to most likely go to the, you know, to those finalist agencies, for example, and get a sense of what your actual team would look like. And that is such an important piece of the equation. You know, agencies, you know, agencies are great because there are, you know, established processes and templates and sort of like institutional knowledge that can be brought to bear. But, you know, the reality is, and, you know, I know this coming from an agency myself, so much of a campaign success comes from the team that is running it. And so if you can, on the brand side, can have that shorter time frame, you're going to get such valuable insight into the nature of your team. And that almost more than anything should be a decision making factor for you. So I think that's really key. Um, on the client side, with timeline I think that within the RFP process or within the initial RFP, usually a timeline is provided. Now, in my personal experience, I've never seen an RFP timeline strictly adhered to. It almost always takes longer than expected, (laughs) but it's still good for you to know what sort of the general flow is going to be. 
so that either you or you know, the, the, the sales executive that you're working with can follow up at the appropriate times and and not do it you know too late or too early. You know, you want to stay top of mind, but you also don't want to to badger. Generally, you know, if there's a delay, it's it's not something that you know a, a badgering approach can work through. It's usually something internal where you know budget is being reevaluated or something like that. But you still want to you know make sure that you know, you understand what the the new timeline is going to look like. You understand, you know, is the process that was originally outlined, is that still the process or do we need to adjust to the new reality of the situation? 100%. So real quick and rapid fire here, just some not to do's in an RFP process. Yeah. Um, Number one, I see this a lot is really focusing on your senior leadership sort of over the people that are actually going to be running the account. You know, it's great to know that the CEO has 30 years of digital marketing experience, but the CEO is not going to be on my account. So that's not super valuable uh, to me. Number two, you know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but but having, you know, really long answers, it's just too overwhelming. Relatedly, having, you know, very boilerplate answers, that's also not going to help you stand out uh, within the process. You know, hiding information about pricing is is not useful. You definitely want to make sure that you're honest about what it is you can actually provide. You don't want to be claiming that you have experience in an area that you don't have experience or that you're able to provide, you know, a, a service that is maybe incubating or or would be you know something you'd have to scramble to put together you want to be very upfront about what your actual capabilities are i think i've often seen people lean too far into overall company awards as opposed to case studies and testimonials and at least for me you know awards are great but you know having submitted for awards before i know that the scope of awards is is generally pretty limited and so just because you won an award that, for example, says you're, you know, the best agency in, in this area, that doesn't necessarily translate to your ability to serve my SEO needs in this specific context. So I'd focus less on that, focus less on sort of like those those larger company recognition and focus more on those really targeted case studies and testimonials. 100%. And so maybe in closing here, What's some advice for, you know, our listeners when they won that RFP? What, what should they do the moment they re- realize that they're win- they've won an RFP? And conversely, like, what about to our listeners that didn't win and, and you know, didn't get that RFP? What, what, what do you do then? Yeah, if you won the RFP, I think this is so important. Make sure you celebrate with your team. Again, a lot of effort goes into this and... There's usually a lot of people that are involved that maybe don't get sort of like the headline credit for for helping to land the deal. Make sure that you're celebrating those people um, internally. Number two, make sure that you have your ducks in a row to onboard as soon as possible. Make sure that the team that you have promised to, to the brand you're able to deliver on. And ideally, you have processes in place that will help facilitate that. So for example... If you need to move certain accounts to enable the team that that you said that you would be able to provide, hopefully you're able to start moving on that uh, very quickly. Now, if you didn't win the RFP, and again, this is something that I think that that brand should do a better job of. But 
ask for feedback, you know, try and understand where it is that ultimately made you not a fit for the company. You might not always get a response, but you know, at least speaking for me, I try and provide that context, even if it is as simple as, you know, our budget was what it was and, and you were over our budget, even though we were really impressed with your capabilities. Or it could be, you know, this other agency that we talked to, we were just more impressed with, you know, their content capabilities. Try and get some of that information so that when you are in a similar situation, you're able to apply those learnings. So, you know, that could be either in your storytelling or it could be actually in the, you know, in your processes and deliverables. You know, if you are consistently seeing that you're losing out on a specific type of RFP, that maybe is a sign that you need to invest more time and energy and resources into, you know, shoring up that part of your offering so that you can, you know, go over to finish line. That's great advice and insight for our listeners. That wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thank you to Justin McKinney, Director of SEO Content and Social Strategy at Aspiration for joining us. If you'd like to get in contact with Justin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes or visit his personal website, justinmckinneyseo.com. Okay, thanks to Jordan Cooney, the founder of Previsible. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is JT Cooney, that's J-T-K-O-E-N-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E.io. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to VoicesOfSearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. (music) 